Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. If you're applying to medical school in 2022 to start medical school in 2023, join me Wednesday or Thursday, Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, or Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern at premedworkshop.com. Go register today. I'm gonna show you how to tell your story in your application. Again, that's premedworkshop.com. If you are applying to medical school in 2022, be there or be square. The Premed Year, session number 421. Hello, and welcome to The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Thank you so much for joining me here on The Pre-Med Years. I'm excited to have you. We're going to do a fun Instagram Q&A that I did while I was recording this. I love doing Q&As. If you like Q&As, if you have lots of questions and you are applying to medical school this next cycle and you haven't checked out my pre-med workshop yet, the replay is still available for a few days. Now, I talk about Q&A because in the the workshop, I I offer the Application Academy, which is a new way this year that I'm going to be working with students. If you are applying to medical school this next cycle, I want you to check out the workshop so you can get a little bit of motivation and understanding where you should go with your story and your personal statement. And you can also hear how the Application Academy can help you, uh, where we're going to have lots of office hours for this, for Q&A. You can find the pre-med workshop available at premedworkshop.com. Again, if you want to watch the replay to my workshop, premedworkshop.com will take you to that replay, which is only available for a few more days as this episode is coming out. So let's go ahead and jump into our pre-med Q&A today. So the first question here, any advice, any tips for a gap year regarding research? And, and really the question is, what do you want to do? A lot of students will come and ask me, what should I do during my gap year? And my answer always is, what do you want to do? Do you want to do research or do you think you need to do research? Do you want to do clinical experience or do you think you need to do clinical experience? Do you want to do this or do you think you need it? Are you doing it just because you think it's going to look good on your application or do you want to do it? At the end of the day, 
I think you should do what you want to do. Don't do something just because you think it's going to look good on your application. You don't have to have research. I think you should have clinical experience. I think you should have some shadowing experience because those experiences will help you solidify your messaging and your story and your personal statement and in your applications. But do you need to have research? Not really. Uh, Do you want to do some research? If you do, great, go ahead. Are you doing it just because there's an opportunity to publish? Do you think you have to be published? Do you think that'll help you stand out in your application? If you're doing it for, nefarious is a strong word, but if you're doing it for reasons that that you think are going to help you stand out, then see if maybe there's something else that you, you potentially are interested in. Hopefully that helped. Any advice if you want to work in psychiatry? No, not really. I think everyone at this stage of the game from a pre-med side of things should be pretty much specialty agnostic, meaning don't pigeonhole yourself into a specific specialty. 75% of students change their mind once they get to medical school. So you go into medical school with one particular idea and then you change your mind because you're like, oh wait, I found this other thing that I'm interested in. If you if you like psychiatry, great, go and try to find someone to shadow. But I don't think you should set up your life in a way that that highlights and, and try to tries to pigeonhole yourself into psychiatry. How do you talk about non uh, a nonprofit you're starting to medical school adcoms? I think uh, I would recommend you go and watch my YouTube video where I talk about how to write extracurricular descriptions. I think the far majority of students focus on the wrong things when they are writing their extracurricular descriptions. I think what you should be focusing on is your impact to the world through your nonprofit or how the nonprofit and what you were doing impacted you. As my my colleague at MAPT says, Dr. Scott Wright, he says, it's not the what, it's the so what. How did it impact you? How did how did it make you grow as a person? Who who are you now today because of that? So try to think about um, those things. How will medical admissions look at pre meds who were forced to finish their prereqs? Who were forced to finish their prereqs? Um, online, I'm assuming is yeah online. Um, everyone is in the same boat as you. So don't worry about that. Medical schools are going to going to be flexible for a while with online courses. Any advice on proceeding after getting a GED? Yes. Go to medical school and not medical school. Go to, uh, go to undergrad. Um, once you get a GED, if you want to, if you're on this path to become a physician, you need to go to, to college, uh, whether that's starting out with community college uh, and then going to a four-year university or going straight to a four-year university. Really, that path is your own and uh, up to you. Is throwing parties for kids at a children's hospital clinical experience? J-Quad, so uh, I get this question a lot and it's usually in the form of working at a um, at a nursing home, and and I ask, well, what do you do at the nursing home, right? Because because where you are isn't as important as what you are doing. 
So people who volunteer at a nursing home, but volunteer in the kind of recreation department at the nursing home, meaning they play games with the, the nursing home residents, that's not clinical experience. And so throwing parties for kids at a children's hospital, it's probably not clinical experience either. Um, but try to prove me wrong. Uh, really, at the end of the day, it comes down to your judgment of what you are doing. If you are doing a lot of interaction with the patients, obviously nursing home residents a little bit different than inpatient patients. Um, and so maybe there's an argument that could be made for that. Hi, I'm a freshman undergraduate. I really want to start building my resume right now. What can I do? So if you're a freshman, your goal is to learn how to be a good student. First and foremost, make sure that your grades are solid before anything else. After that, after you've figured out how to be a good college student, then what you should be focusing on are experiences that will hopefully define who you are as a person, not specifically all medically related. You don't have to do that. You can go and enjoy your life outside of medicine and still put that stuff on your application. Some of the core things that you need to understand are and, and get a grasp of from experiences are, are clinical experiences so that you understand what it's like to take care of patients, so that you understand that you want to take care of patients. And shadowing, which is following a doctor around, seeing what the world of a doctor is like. Those are very important things. Should, should you get some leadership experience? Sure, if you want. Should you join every pre-med club at your college? You can. It's not completely necessary, but you can. Where a lot of students make a mistake is trying to do too much, too fast, and their grades suffer. So make sure you do that. And if you are a freshman, check out mapped, M-A-P-P-D.com. This is uh, uh, mapped.com. You see there, mapped, M-A-P-P-D.com. That's a new technology platform that uh, I co-founded for, for you specifically to help you track and, and get guidance on your journey. Hey there, Dr. Gray. I'm completing a master's program right now to improve my GPA, and I'm killing it. Hopefully good killing it, not bad killing it. How should I send them my new transcripts and let them know I'm still super interested? So most schools don't really care uh, about updates. Um, and this is uh, a kind of a, a tricky spot to be in. If you needed the GPA from your master's program, then potentially you shouldn't have applied. Um, a lot of schools don't want updates, and so you'll have to kind of go through your list of schools, see which schools will accept updates, and just send them a letter to say, I know that my GPA potentially is one thing that's hurting me. I've been continuing my master's program, and here's my, my most recent stats. Have you seen students get into medical school with super low GPAs? Uh, I, David, I've seen students get into medical school with super low GPAs with, uh, with an asterisk on that. They have a low undergraduate GPA, but they did a post-bac and they, they did great. 
they have a low undergraduate GPA, but they did a master's program and they did great. Or they have a low GPA, but when you actually look at their GPA trends, they started off poorly, but finished high over the last 30, 40, 50 credits. They did really, 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 really well, but their early credits were really, really bad. And so they didn't finish off or they didn't finish with a great overall number, but that trend usually can make up for a lot of early struggles. How will medical admissions look at students who are forced to finish prereqs online? You already asked me that. I already answered that. <laughs> what are some courses you would recommend for the MCAT? So if you go and you listen to the MCAT podcast, which is another podcast that I have, we've answered that question a couple times on the, the show about the classes that you should have to take the MCAT. How do you get shadowing? Right now you don't, right? In the time of COVID-19, shadowing is, is near impossible. The, the hospitals and clinics aren't taking any chance of bringing any sort of people uh, into harm's way in terms of COVID or exposing their patients to you. You may be a germ factory yourself. So um, right now you don't. I offer e-shadowing, which isn't shadowing, but it's something potentially that you could be doing during this time. Um, uh, outside of that, right, if this was pre-pandemic or post-pandemic, hopefully as we're recording this, the vaccine is finally being distributed here in the U.S. So congratulations to all of you frontline workers who got it today. It's it's an amazing step um, to, to uh, get over this. Um, uh, if it was pre or post pandemic, then it's just phone calls, emails, um, trying to reach out to your network as much as possible. How much of a difference is there in MCAT prep material year to year? There isn't. Uh, if you can definitely get year old, two year old MCAT prep material and be just fine. Aaron Miner, this video is very helpful. You're welcome. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Any advice on school loans? I don't talk about school loans a lot. Uh, I'm not uh, the the expert on financial um, issues, uh, whether they're undergraduate financial loans or medical school financial loans. There are smarter people out there um, who who do talk about that, though. Um, I had one person, I forget his name off the top of my head. Uh, let me see if I can find it. Um, I had him on National Pre-Med Day, uh, which was this past May 28th um, that we did a big 12-hour live stream. But one of our guests was a financial expert, and his name is Travis Hornsby. And he focuses on uh, financial planning and loans and stuff. You can find him at studentloanplanner dot com again that's travis hornsby and uh national pre-med day will come back next year we had a blast doing it, a 12-hour live stream we're not going to do 12 hours this time but we had a really uh, fun time last time so is phlebotomy slash ekg tech work clinical experience uh i'm not going to answer that you should know that answer um the, the answer is yes i don't want to be that guy you should know that um 
you're you're interacting directly with patients. Of course, it's clinical experience. If you aren't good at taking standard exams due to being a slow test taker, do you have any tips on how to improve your time? Um, I don't specifically have any tips on that. Uh, we we haven't really talked uh, on the podcast that I do uh, on test prep, whether it's um, the MCAT podcast, MCAT cars podcast. Uh, I have had some test prep experts on my pre-med years podcast, um, but we haven't really talked about if you're slow, how to speed up. Uh, I think for the most part, being slow just has to do with a lack of confidence and you need to to help fix that lack of confidence to speed up. But uh, not, I don't think we specifically um, dive into those topics. We play games and talk with the patients. Um, going back to having a party for the children's hospital. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, a, it's an iffy one for me. How would you recommend starting to study for the MCAT? I would start with episode one of the MCAT podcast. You can find it at mcatpodcast.com. Uh, I, I honestly think that starting there is a good primer for everything. Um, we cover everything that you need to know to do well on the MCAT. It's free. Uh, free podcast for you to listen to. But the first step is, when do you want to take it? Register for that. Set a plan. Figure out how much time you have to dedicate to that. Figure out the resources that you are going to use. Are you someone who can self-study just using a set of content books? Do you need structure and format using a course? How far removed are you from some of the core prerequisites that you may need a course to help bolster your understanding and your knowledge, your foundation. Um, so there's lots of questions around where to start, but I would start with those particular questions. CN Weston, if the pandemic turned me into a stay-at-home online college mom, stopped research and volunteering, is that seen as not interested in pursuing medicine? Uh, I think any question around the pandemic caused me to stop volunteering, the pandemic caused me to stop doing this, the pandemic caused me to stop doing that, the pandemic caused that to everyone. So don't worry about it. You you uh, will not be labeled as not interested in medicine. You'll be labeled as someone who's doing what you need to do to survive and, and to uh, take care of your family. Can scribing be considered both clinical experience and shadowing? So scribing can be considered both clinical experience and shadowing, but on your application, you should list it as clinical experience. Medical schools will understand that that uh, scribing is very much a shadowing-based um, activity as well. And you don't need to put it twice on your application, just put it once. Would cleaning medical equipment and making surgical packs for veterinary uh, veterinarians be considered clinical experience? Okay, so let's, let's cover this one more time, Okay. Clinical experience is interacting with patients. Where you are doing it is not what is important. What you are doing is much more important, interacting with patients. I once had a student try to claim that being a janitor in a hospital was clinical experience because he was in a hospital. 
So just because you are interacting with medical things doesn't make it clinical. Clinical experience is interacting with patients. I cannot say that enough. I will have to repeat myself every day of my life, and that is okay. Go and spread the good word. Clinical experience is interacting with patients, not doing stuff in a, in a clinic, not just doing stuff, right? Working the front desk in an outpatient office is not clinical experience. Doing hospital registration in an emergency department is not clinical experience experience working in a or volunteering in where whichever one in a nursing home doing the recreation side of things is not clinical experience okay hopefully that gives you some ideas is working pharmacy tech right all these questions is it clinical is it clinical working as a pharmacy tech is it is working as a pharmacy tech considered clinical experience if you're working directly with patients? I used to do house calls to pick up and drop off meds and would very often help them at their home. So there's a difference here. So my personal opinion is that pharmacy tech in a retail setting is not clinical experience. I know most students put it down as clinical experience, but you are more often than not just working in a retail environment. It's not clinical experience. You're saying, what is your name? Here's your prescription. Any questions? That's $10, right? That to me isn't clinical experience. That to me is the same as working the front desk at a clinic going, what's your name? Okay, fill out these papers. The doctor will be with you in a minute. Now, going to their house, doing house calls, that's completely different in my mind because you're interacting more in in a different way. So... Um, I, again, I don't consider retail pharmacy tech as clinical experience, as good clinical experience, but students mark it down as clinical experience. Um, anyway, uh, is it recommended to become a CNA or MA to have clinical experience? You don't have to go and get a job as a CNA or an MA to get good clinical experience. You can be an MT, you can be a phlebotomist, you can do hospice, you can do ER volunteering. Again, the, the location isn't important, what you're doing. I've, talk, I've talked to lots of ER volunteers who don't get, who aren't allowed to interact with the patients. They have to clean the rooms and stock the rooms and, and, and change over the rooms when the patients are, are discharged or, or admitted. So that's not clinical experience. So again, it really comes down to what you are doing. Do medical schools look at workload? They can, they definitely can. Would I be considered first-generation student if I'm an immigrant in the U.S.? I am first of my family to go to college, but my mom has a master's degree in another country. So uh, I don't know the the whole first-generation student thing. I don't I don't know why that's an important question. A lot of the the application services don't necessarily ask that, as far as I know, unless I'm mistaken. Um, so. I, I don't know is the answer um, is is the answer whether or not uh, it counts. I don't know. What if you do well early on in Gen Chem and bio, but tank a bit in OCHEM, slightly downward trend? Uh, I would say you still have a lot of time to go back up. Is a C plus in OCHEM one horrible? 
Uh, it's better than a D or a C minus. I would try to improve. <laughs> can you use e-shadowing in the application of shadowing? Um, so what I've said, and you can go to the FAQs on e-shadowing website, is you should put it on your application, and it's up to the medical schools whether or not they'll consider e-shadowing as, um, as shadowing experience. Years ago, I shadowed for PT. Can those count for shadowing with the goal of uh, of getting an MDDO when COVID goes down? Um, so if you've shadowed a PT, an NP, uh, a PA, you can put those in your application, but I wouldn't put those as your only shadowing hours. So I would try to get uh, other shadowing. All right, so let's finish up with one strong question here. All right, I love this question. As a student taking a gap year, what do you think is something that makes a student stand out? Okay, I think I finished my last Q&A with a very similar question. I don't think as a student, your goal is to try to stand out. When you say that, when you say, I want to try to stand out, what you are saying is, how can I be better than everyone else in this? How can I be better than everyone else in that? How can I be better than everyone else with this or that and that in this? There are 50, 60, 70,000 students applying to medical school every year. Do you think you're that arrogant? Or are you that arrogant to think that you are going to stand out among 60,000 other people? Serious question. Do you think it's possible to stand out when there are 60,000 other people applying to medical school? My answer is no. It's not possible to stand out. And when you do try to stand out, what typically happens is you look like everyone else just the same. Because all the other people out there are trying to stand out just like you. There's nothing that you are going to do in your journey as a pre-med student that is going to be completely new or, or just astronomically novel, right? This is a different way of saying completely new. Astronomically novel in, in this process, right? And I always joke, short of curing cancer, what you are putting in your application has been done a million times before. You cannot stand out. You have to be yourself. So as you are doing a gap year, be yourself. What do you want to do? What will give you the most joy in your life and also continue to motivate you to become a physician? Don't try to stand out, both in your activities and how you sell yourself when it comes to writing your personal statement and your activities. Students fail miserably when they do that. I just gave a, a workshop, um, and I'll, I'll tell you to go to premedworkshop.com, the, the website, as I'm recording this right now with you on Instagram Live, is redirecting to, to an old workshop that I did 
but premedworkshop.com, I'll, I'll update it to the, uh, the new URL, which is a replay of, um, of a workshop I just did last week to really fo- focus in on and hone your story so that you aren't trying to stand out because it's just not the right idea. You just won't win with that, that philosophy. So premedworkshop.com, check it in like five minutes as I'm recording this and, uh, and, and it'll take you to the right spot. I'm going to end the Q&A here. Uh, if you're watching this on Instagram right here, uh, this will go out as the Pre-Med Years podcast. If you don't listen to the Pre-Med Years podcast, you should. Uh, free every week. We've been going now for over eight years uh, every week here on the podcast. I do lots of other podcasts all at premedpodcast.com. And uh, I look forward to chatting with you next time I'm on live. Have a great day. This is MedEd Media.